When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 72 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. Joined as always by my mainest man, Willie Saylor. He's coming at you from Austin, Texas. I'm home in Virginia. We're getting ready to hit the road, Willie. Uh, man, a lot going on right now. Some big news came out yesterday, and uh, that's probably the best place to start. But first, Willie, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm uh, knee-deep in, in the wire. Yes, as you should be. Congratulations. And also knee-deep in a lot of drama. Well, yeah, you 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 have Self, a, a bit self-imposed. Uh, almost always, yes. You uh, drama. No, fo- yeah, come on, Willie. Willie, you're a drama factory. <laughs> Ma- mass producing it with the efficiency of a Chinese factory. Well, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We but got let's first yeah. start with Drew, um, Northwestern, um, uh, an oddly timed um, oddly. Separa- separation there um, with. Coach Periano being let go at Northwestern. What to make of it, Christian? Uh, oddly, is is a that's putting it mildly unprecedented comes to mind. I mean, I've never in my I, I can't ever imagine uh, a wrestling coach. I can't recall a time I've seen a coach let go a week before the season starts. I mean, the season's really started. Competition hasn't started, but for a change to happen at this point in time, and everyone and my phone. Has been since this came out has been blown up. Everyone wants the scoop. What's happening? What went on? I do not know what went on, but you got to figure something bad went down in in some way, some sort of dust up with the administration. I I don't know, but for him to get canned a week before the season starts, um, eh, you know it had to be something dramatic. It's not a a difference of opinions. Well, you know. He, Drew, the Northwestern job, okay, um, the roster is one of the smallest in, in the planet, in the country. Um, and yeah. with with the with the small roster size, I don't know, I shouldn't, I'm not going to pretend to know what the administrative support there is and what the, what the financial support is there. But with what he's had, Drew Periano has had a good run there. I mean, relatively successful, certainly on the individual level with national champs and national finalists um, all and all, all American percentage, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's been successful. I, I like, I, you can't, I can't imagine that 
anything about this was based on performance. Um, and, and certainly with the timing, you know, like you said, it indicates that something funny went down. Now, you know, this is a, this is a podcast, so we can speculate. Um, we don't have any concrete details. We're just taking the info that we have at surface level and, and making suppositions. But you would have to think that something maybe went down. And with Drew, um, admittedly, Drew, Drew, Drew's a, Drew is a shoot from the hip kind of guy. Yeah. Right? He is a straight shooter and he's not going to mince words. And uh, perhaps in, in, a, in a conversation and talks to the administration, I, you know, maybe he said something out of line. Maybe he said something he shouldn't have. I don't, eventually we'll find out, maybe. Uh, but. That that could be one plausible scenario, right? I mean, and that's that's kind of where I've gone. It's it's certainly, in, in my opinion, it's not a on the mat performance issue. Um, they get great recruiting classes, as you mentioned. They're getting all Americans, oh, yeah. NCAA champions, and uh, you got to figure something else. Now, last year they did have, you know, they forfeited a couple weights, quite, uh, you know. During a lot of the years, so they could redshirt these studs, and uh, you know, I was pretty critical of that. But I don't think that was something that, um, obviously, if that was a problem, that would have been dealt with during, you know, right after the year. If that was something, so I, it's hard to point to anything that would suggest. Now you look at their off season. Jay Borschel leaves the assistant coach there, not to take another college coaching job, just to go home and do something else. And Stevan Micic leaves after a pretty good freshman season, and after making the junior world team, and uh, he moves to Michigan, or transfers to Michigan. So was there a little writing on the wall there? Were the, are those completely unrelated things? I don't know, but you can't ignore that those things happened and that they, um, you know, they they generally speak to, you know, not being happy at Northwestern for one reason or another, and maybe part of that was true. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know, you know. You can't ignore those, you know. Like, that has to come up that right, those, right. those happen. Yeah, you know, I mean, a couple of months ago, people were saying about Illinois and this guy transferring out and, and Mark Perry tweeting something. Um, big you know, news coming. Big news coming and this guy leaving. And I said I said then, I think that it was a lot of... Mark Perry was trolling then because no big news ever came. Do you remember that? He tweeted yeah. that. He was just messing with us, I think. No, no, he was not. Uh, what's the big news, Willie? That was like you, you knew what the you know what the big news was going to be. Uh, it didn't happen. I I know, but he tried to make it happen. Uh, the big news was supposed to be Imar and Derringer. Yeah, yeah. That's what he was talking about. Okay. Yeah, he was I guess about Imar and Derringer at the All Star match. But people people in conjunction with. Um, the speculation. Nico Reyes moving out. And Jared Cortez. And Jared Cortez moving out. And then Mark Perry tweeting big news. People jumped to conclusions and said, well, Mark Perry might be leaving. Well, there's problems in Illinois. What I'm saying is sometimes things are the truth. and I mean, sometimes those, those assumptions are right and sometimes they're wrong. And the Mark Perry situation was wrong. Just because he tweets um, big news coming does not mean Mark Perry's moving. It means... He thought that they were going to get Imar and Derringer at the All-Star Still, Classic. He knew what he was doing there. Come on. It's like nah, every, a lot of buzz around the program. Put this out there. Make things a little more interesting. I don't know. I don't think I think, I think. don't think he put it out there to suggest that he was he was leaving Illinois. It's kind of fun to mess with people, though. Mm, I don't think he thought about that in any sense of the imagination. Okay. Maybe not. Um, 
so who knows? Who knows? Um, but the as it... reasons behind behind um, Drew, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. Um, and I, I mean, I've always gotten along. Drew's always been super good to me. I've always gotten along with the guy. Um, Same here. Yeah. But uh, so, so but, that uh, leaves. That we leaves... don't want to close the. We don't. I don't, don't want to close the door on Drew. I would. I want to see Drew surface somewhere, and I don't want to close the door on Drew. But I do want to talk about a great job at Northwestern. Um, I mean, it's a Big Ten job, so I think we got to talk about and speculate. Yeah, who might might get that. No question. Um, it, whoever gets that job next year, and of course, we're. I'm assuming that Mastorniolo is just going to be. He's the interim, and that's that's uh, as far as it's going to go for Matt. That he'll do this year, and I, I think they'll bring in someone else. That's my opinion. Now, it's uh, if they can get the guys to hang there, um, and sometimes you see with coaching changes, you see uh, you see an exodus, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes the guys stick around. If they can get um, that nucleus to hang around, they're they're still young. Jason Sertis has two years left. Brill's a freshman. Sebastian's a freshman. Chaconis is a freshman. Um, maybe Nick Reenan still comes. Maybe he doesn't. There's a lot of speculation about Nick. Um, will he still come? Will he not? Uh, and I'm sure, um, you know, we'll find out more as time well, goes whether I'm, he's going to look around. I bet that phone line was lighting up yesterday. Oh, I know that it was. I'm sure. I'm sure. So what, what I'm saying is it's in the Big Ten. It's in a wrestling hotbed. It's one of the best schools in the country. And they've proven to be able to win consistently. So it's 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 a great job, and you have to wonder who's who's going to be interested, and you have to figure it's the same names that continually pop up. Um, the, the, there's a lot of really really good um, uh, assistant coaches out there that have head coaching caliber, and um, yeah, it it'll be it, it's going to be a huge shift whoever ends up there because I think they're going to have Northwestern is going to have kind of the the pick of the litter. I mean, Big Ten. Uh, jobs don't open up that often, especially one at a school. I mean, normally when you get a new head coaching job, you're taking over a program that's in trouble because no, normally the coaches have either um, you know, been fired or let go. They haven't been productive. So you're going to get to take over a relatively productive school in, in the best conference in the country. So you figure it's going to From what I'm told uh, from certain sources, you know, it's a six-figure job. Um, yep, that's true. I, I don't know what the scholarly limit is or the scholar the scholarship um situation is i don't know if it's a full 9.9 um i would th- i would think it is I well what, think it is. whatever it is um it's certainly it's just, it hasn't uh, it hasn't prohibited them from the, from getting a talented lineup. right it's certainly significant right i mean they they've they had McMullen and Brill and Sebastian and Michich and the Assertus you know, and and a, and a whole heck of a lot of other talented guys on the roster at the same time. So <laughs> they're supporting those guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know who, which way it's going to go. I don't know what direction. Throw, throw out some names. Oh, first one that comes to my mind, um, and I think he he this guy fits not only from. This guy's got the goods as a coach, but he fits the that intellectual model, uh, and it's Brian Snyder. You know, this is a guy with his PhD. This is a guy. I taught that guy everything he knows. Yeah, yeah, it's your buddy. But um, <laughs> I tell you what, Brian Snyder was the first guy that popped into my mind. He's a. 
been coaching at the Big Ten. Nebraska has success. The Burroughs green factor cannot be ignored um, for that freestyle component. Uh, I, I just think he, he fits there at Northwestern if he wanted to leave. Now, I think we've talked about this before, and if we haven't, let's talk about it now. It, it's not going to be easy to walk away from Jordan Burroughs knowing he's going to be wrestling till 2020. That's a tough decision, and I'm sure there's other pools there. Um, not to leave Nebraska, it's a really good job, and they've got a good team. Yeah, I think he. I think he looks at it. I think it's a, it's an attractive position for him. Um, you know, leaving Nebraska would probably be tough. Uh, his alma mater and everything, and he has a he has a good thing going on there. But he is he is certainly like, you know, a, an academic and and would fit in well at Northwestern and and Chicago. Uh, he would enjoy Chicago and probably even dress more like. Jay Jaggers than he already does. Yeah, he's he's got fancy, fancy stylings. Uh, another name that I think will probably come up is Sean Bormet. Um, obviously, he hasn't. Not only is he an, a fantastic, fantastic uh, coach, but he's got that Illinois tie as well. Not sure. as well. He has the Illinois tie. Brian Snyder really doesn't have one. So I think he's a great candidate. Casey uh, Cunningham, Donnie Pritzloff, uh, Lou Roselli, all all those guys. We're, we're speculating their interest. But all those guys, I think, could do a good job. And there's probably some we're not considering that we forgot about that, you know, whatever, we overlooked. But those are the guys. Those are the big the big name assistants that I think would be looking around. Sure, sure. And I, I, I don't that. think you go – I think you, you go with any of those, um, it, you're going to be successful probably at Northwestern. I wonder what the – I wonder what the assistant – coaches uh, you know what this what the salaries are there i mean can you bring in good assistance um i i was again i would assume yes i you know. would imagine i mean you figure if the coach can make that much then the uh, assistants are um mm -hmm. compensated i mean periano well, was an assistant for a long time you know right right but i think he was uh i think he climbed the ladder you know associate head coach or whatever it was for a while there and then he was whatever happened he um I would like to think, but I know also that that part of Chicago is a very expensive place to live, and it, it has to be pretty high-paying to, to to be sustainable out there. So for an assistant, who knows what it is. So yeah. that's, that's Northwestern, Willie. That's Northwestern. Now let's get into a little bit of – the drama. You want to talk about the drama, Christian Piles? The drama? You you were Mr. Drama. Well, you want me I, to... well, I don't know if I was Mr. Drama. Come on. You are so dramatic. Well, Willie? All right, listen. I know Willie really, really well. We talk all day, every day. So when I see he tweets things, I know what he means. I know what he's saying. But when he says things like, who's number one, can stand on its own, it doesn't need a pro bout... Where Willie struggles on Twitter is seeing it outside of his perspective and how the community at large is going to take it. And that's what started the firestorm. So even though I knew what he meant and he knew what he meant, it came off pretty clunky. And that's that's uh, yeah, I, that's you know what, what? I, one I of the things that got it started. I, I, I am a little clunky. As, as I like to think of myself as uh, I think I can write well on Twitter. I, I'm a bad tweeter. I'm bad Twitter, Twitterer, mm -hmm. and um, I, I think I do misrepresent misrep myself at times. Yeah. And and okay, so listen, before we get into that, what are we talking about here? 
we are talking about if you're not part of the of the Twitter universe, um, there was a lot of drama on Twitter this weekend about about the pros, about their representation and their voice, about their worth, about um, about being paid, right? And so we put out a tweet, Flow Wrestling put out a tweet that we were doing the, this Prowl event that was at the Freak Show. And Tony Ramos tweeted, um, that's interesting because Willie said that he doesn't need us, meaning pro athletes. And it stems back to a tweet that I put out when I knew that there wasn't going to be a pro bout. I said, who's number one doesn't need a pro bout? Um, this card can stand on its own or something to that effect. Right. And I did not mean by any stretch of the imagination that we didn't need, like, it wasn't valuable, right? That that <laughs> that I didn't value the pros or a pro match. What I meant was that this is the card we have. A pro bout didn't materialize for who's number one. So we're going to roll with it just as high schoolers, and we'll be fine. And they're all number one and number two matchups. And, and it just didn't work out this time. So when Tony tweeted, Willie said he didn't need us, I felt it was a little disingenuous or, or misleading. Misleading. Mis misleading. Sure. Okay. And I think that I responded to Tony's tweet correctly. Originally. Originally. But what happened was there is this group now known as what? Squad 8. Squad 8. All right, they're the, they're the Flips Wrestling and the Compound Wrestling um, Collective, if um, so to speak. And they're the biggest names in wrestling, by and large. They, uh, apart right. from so, Burroughs, this is kind of uh, so, so it, uh, a who's who. So, so the Compound Flips Collective, known now as Squad 8, is Jordan Oliver, um, David. Kyle Dake, David Taylor, Jake Kerber, Chris Perry, Reese Humphrey, Jimmy Kennedy, who am I missing? Tony Ramos. Tony Ramos, of course. And so when Tony, so when Tony retweeted that, I mean, when Tony tweeted that response that I said I Flo didn't need them, um, all these guys start retweeting it and favoring it. All, all these Squad Eight guys. So I mean, I kind of felt like the the, the Tony's tweet was misleading, and all these guys are retweeting it, and I felt like, you know. You guys are getting on board with a misleading thing. Because here's the thing. You're saying we didn't need you, but you guys all know that I reached out to you. I reached out to David Taylor. I reached out to, uh, or, or at least their agents, Tony Ramos. Um, not Tony Ramos. Kyle, Kyle Dake. Jake Herbert. And, and, and Tony Ramos I never reached out to because he had said previously that other organizations offer more, and I didn't think that Tony was interested, so that's why I didn't. And we had asked uh, back up. back in the FPL days, uh, Tony had been asked to wrestle in Flow Premier League, and I, th I think it was made clear we couldn't we couldn't afford him. Right. So, um, so when when they're putting out these tweets and they're they're retweeting and stuff, you know, I feel like it's misrepresented, and 
of our look, stance. It doesn't represent uh, our, how we feel about right, it. Right, and I think they, I think that they know that we reached out to them, right? So I feel like it's a little, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to do in there. Um, now, I know. Let, let's talk about my Twitter habits. I'm not always the most polite or diplomatic, and I know that uh, excuses, excuses don't matter. What, what the only thing that matters is, um what's out there and the, and the perception and, and, but look, man, I am going 24 hours a day nonstop and I am like perpetually stressed out. And when I see these barbs, when I see the, this criticism, I, you know, I have a short temper and I, and I, and I, and I tweet things I shouldn't tweet and in a manner that I shouldn't tweet. Right. And uh, sometimes they're short and blunt and condescending. And it's not really me. It's not really how I feel. It's not the day-to-day person, me. Um, but even, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Because people, in the end, right, in the end, even if I'm right, and, like, I think I was right on that, I'm the one, I'm, like, I'm making an ass out of myself, really. So um, I apologize to that. Um but let's get back to the to the issue at hand. These guys want to sit at the table. These guys want so so that whole Twitter exchange started this dialogue with these athletes, right? And we like all my, my whole weekend was really dedicated to um, communicating with them, clearing it up, um, and and they're, they're right in an extent to an extent like. Not about that specific in, um, situation, but they're right that the athletes need more representation, need more voice. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, and and I get, uh, I can imagine being Taylor or Dake and seeing how we promote um, high school matches and, and college matches, and feel like, what what about us, man? We're we're better. We're more accomplished. We're just as big stars. So I, I understand. Um, it's tough. It's tough being a senior level athlete. I mean, there's there's a couple that make a comfortable living. Absolutely. There's a couple that can make a comfortable living, and a lot of them can't off just the wrestling. They're having to do other things, and so I I get it, man. You're you're one of the you're a top one percent one percent of one percent wrestler, and you're you're scraping by. Some of you, some not. Um, and, and so I get it. I I understand it, but. I think it's important not, and this is just me. I'm I'm not a business guy at all, and I'm I'm out of my element here. I'm just a re- I just love wrestling, and I like talking and, and writing about. It. And the economy of wrestling is not an area of expertise, but I do think that w- one thing that kind of got this rolling is is Flow Sports getting however many millions it was in in venture capital all right right this, so this got it started so people see the wrestling community doesn't see flow sports the wrestling right. community sees flow wrestling so when they see we're getting this million dollar thing it's like oh man we'll split six million between willie and martin and and cp and holmes and bracky and brock uh, it couldn't be further from the truth i mean come right. to my house see what i drive so Look, it's ridiculous so what let me before we get to that, and that's absolutely true. That's when when this whole thing boils down, it boils if it boils down to two things, and that's one of them. But before we get to that, um, so I had dialogue with, with with 
the flips, you know, the flips representative, Don Machada. Uh, I talked to him for a long time, cleared some things up, and, and we had a really good productive conversation. Then I wrote a couple emails to the guys from Squad 8. And, and really, Tony Ramos was the one I've been having really, I think, really good feedback from and really good discussions with. Um, and so I think, I think things will improve there and, and, and there'll be more transparency and clarify. And, I, and we, you know, we have to talk about wrestling economy and what the realities are. Um, and that leads to your point. But in the meantime, while all, while all this is going on, on the heels of this um, kind of fighting with these squad eight guys, on the heels of that, then other people start tweeting about pro events and being paid and stuff. So it was it was really a big topic of the weekend, uh, at least on Twitter, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I honestly, that was one thing I was saying to you. Willie, the, the whole time you were getting so fired up about it, I'm like, Willie, you're, uh, just because it's on Twitter doesn't mean – I felt like you felt like the whole community was, like, rallying against you. And I was like, it, it's Twitter is not as big as it. I think it feels sometimes. And I think that was that caused you to well, maybe I, over, I, I, overstate how large the audience was in all of this. I, well, I, I still right now feel as if everybody – I feel as if a good population of the wrestling community and important people saw that stuff. And and I important people, yes, I'll say. And, that. And, I don't and, think it was a lot. Admittedly, um, like I can take criticism, but I don't. I don't respond well to criticism that I think is unwarranted, and um, I'm very protective of of the brand that we built and I'm, I'm, you know, certainly, certainly outspoken. And, and when it comes to what is not true, I'm going to, I have a hard time just like shutting it down and being like, you know what, we'll hit this up on FRL. I'll write an article about this. I I'm bad at like knee jerk reactions. Like, nah, this ain't true, man. This, I like, I like to nip it in the bud and, and maybe I shouldn't sometimes cause it doesn't get communicated. I don't communicate, uh, well on twitter but um so yeah so all this stuff was out there but i think uh, at the end of the day um one of the things i think at the end of the day these are the pros points of contention right one they're not either paid what they're worth or they're they're seeking new sources of income Two, they don't have a seat at the table. Their voices aren't heard. They feel like their voices aren't heard by Flow Wrestling or other media. They don't feel like their voices are heard from USA Wrestling. And, and then the third one that was that, you know, they take a backseat to high schoolers. That's what was communicated to me. Now, why are, the, why are these things the case? Um, I think that the two, the two major things are to per, the perception of how much money is coming in. Yes. Um, you, we, I think we all have to be realistic about how much revenue is being brought in. And that's what, like, me and, me and Kyle Dake also had an exchange, and Kyle Dake felt like I was condescending to him. Or, yeah, or, I didn't or, get that. You, you were actually, for as condescending as Willie can be, the, I, that exchange blew me away because you were 
being you weren't being backhanded. No, about. I wasn't trying. No, I was because you weren't. I said Kyle said something about the pay differential, and I said on this is on Twitter. I said something to the effect like it's just math, man. Like like you know things have to be right. The, the math has to be right. And and Kyle said something like thanks for the backhanded whatever. And I'm like Kyle, I'm not trying to be backhanded, man. I'm not trying to be condescending here. I'm saying that events cannot pay out more than they take in and remain solvent, right? Like that just doesn't work that way. And and so that was another that was another exchange, but um the point is that okay, so there's two major things from this. One is the reality of the revenue that's being brought in in wrestling, and two is that people think flow makes so much money. So um <laughs> Now they want to. I, I don't know. Flow, flow has flow has become in the minds of the community like a cash cow that should be given back and should be, um, I don't know, like maybe like like paying more than supporting that's, athletes. I don't know. That's 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 that, that more than we even can. I mean, um, it's just okay. So there's listen. There's no sold out stadiums in wrestling. There's no network TV contracts. There's no non-endemic endorsements. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, know, you watch a Willie, if you watch Big Ten, uh, a Big Ten broadcast, all you've got on there are like J. Rob commercials and Cliff King commercials. That's actually not a good thing. You no. know, you want Tide and Gatorade and Chevy. That, I mean, it's. I know we probably get a little bit of pride when we see our guys on TV, but it's actually it. It kind of speaks to a weakness of wrestling. Right. Is that- Look, man, here's the thing. It can't be a circle of money. It can't be uh, Andy Barth and Cliff Keen and Adidas Wrestling and Asics Wrestling and Flow Wrestling cannot just keep this circle of money going, right? It, it, not we need, we need, we need, huh? Yeah, not sustainable. Right. We need Chevy. We need. Gatorade. We need um, Milwaukee Tools is doing things right. Flips is doing things. Not we need non-endemic, you know, organization. Mike Novogratz injects money into it, but um, it can't be just donations either, right? It has to be. You have to get outside money, and it takes time to build. It takes time to build that. No question. And the second part is you know, about flows money, you know, everybody sees that eight or 10 or 9 million that flow got in venture capitalists, it goes into infrastructure, right? And talk about that. Like, do, do people know about how many verticals we have? How many? Yeah. Right. What? So flow, so flow, it's a, there's a press release out there that we get 4 million. There's a press release that we get 6 million or whatever. And it doesn't go like that. Doesn't go into flow wrestling's bank account. It doesn't go into flow wrestling's budget. Doesn't go into our pocket. What it does is it goes to the the whole company, which has gymnastics and track and and um, CrossFit, and we're going to launch boxing. And grappling. there's all these right and right grappling, and there's all these other sports. And beyond sports, there's a team of technical and there's a team of engineers that build and maintain the site and improve the site. There's the production department, which has all the technological 
pieces of equipment, millions of dollars that make it us able to stream. There's 120 employees in this company. So why 9 million seems a lot, I mean, it, it's re, all, it, all it is is reinvested in infrastructure. So we can't just take 9 million or don't think, just think we got paid 9 million. We didn't get paid $9 million. I mean, we can't just flow sports cannot just start paying, um, you know, Jake Herbert 75,000 to wrestle in a match. Right. No. And, and, and when we have, when we have big events, um, you know, we, we're not making a million dollars on an event, you know? So I think everybody needs to be realistic about the economy, the economy in wrestling. Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, you know, <laughs> Titan Mercury. So there, there, there's, there's these other pro leagues and there's, and, and not just, not just in America, not just domestically, but overseas. Um, the money that you hear being tossed around in German Bundesliga and, and um, Indian in an in Indian pro league and Iranian pro league and Russian pro leagues. Um, we would like, that would be awesome to do. I mean, that that's eventually where we need to be. That's eventually where that something like that has to happen in this country. And, you know, Andy Barth at Titan Mercury is doing a tremendous job for athletes. But that is, guys, that is a donation. He's losing money on that. That is, that is not sustainable. There, there has to be a business model that works, that can sustain itself, right? That the athletes get paid, the event organizer gets paid, the, the production company, which that's what Flow is, is a production company. I mean, a uh, that's that that was that would be our role in that situation and so that there has to be a business model where there's money coming in there's money going out it's sustainable and all parties win it can't be a situation where i'm just going to give y'all i'm just going to lose fifty thousand dollars on this event to just to have an event because eventually that money runs out there's no more money coming in right so it's a good thing that some of these events happen. I, I don't know how I don't know how India does it. I don't know how Iran does it. Well, I assume and what I'm told is that billionaires fund it, right? They lose money on it. Right. We're not so there. I, I, I don't know. We're, we're not that country and we're not there. And, and I, I think that it's going to and I, I wholeheartedly want it to happen. But I think it's going to you know, it's going to take time. Certainly for flow, it's going to take time to get there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the point about the UFC, you know, they didn't they didn't start paying uh, the GSP level money in, in the beginning. They right. wouldn't have made it. Right, GSP level money wasn't paid to Kem Shamrock fifteen years ago because the but the business model wasn't there. The 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 and the endorsements weren't there. That the economy wasn't that big then. Now it is, right? Now these athletes can, in, in UFC can get, start getting paid more. But it wasn't there then. Yeah. Um, and so what I think 
the first thing that has to happen, and it's starting to happen, right, like uh, communication over the weekend is is for flow. And you know what? I like it's not just flow. I'm I'm having these communications with with the squad eight guys and and guys that aren't. I mean, pro athletes that are out there, whether it's I don't know Jordan Burrows or or anybody else that's not affiliated with Compound and Flips. Um, looking, listen, you can email me at any time if you have a question about about pay about compensation, about how do you, uh, and I don't know all the answers. I can learn from them too, right? I don't have all the answers. I'm not an economic genius by any stretch of the imagination. I just know right now it's an untenable situation with um, the, the, the the expectations on how much they can get paid and in what manners they can get paid and what revenue is being brought in. I just, <laughs> I know that the expectations are, are, are um, not what, are more than what they think the reality is, um, but all the, all the pro athletes out there, feel free to drop me an email and ask me about this stuff. Or t- if we run a headline, you don't like send it, send me an email, you know, let there be communication, let there be transparency. And I don't think that, um, like I said, not just flow. I think this should be USA wrestling should be looped in, um, you know, governing bodies, event promoters, um, production companies, and the athletes should all collaborate a little more than what they are. Yeah, I, I agree, Willie. And, um, and I, in the end, in the end, I think what athletes need to do to, I think athletes need to promote. They need to market themselves. Right. The more of a star you are, the more value you are. It's that way in every sport. Um. You have to create your own – you have to create your brand. You have to create your value. And you do that by being in the news. You do that by being visible, um, whether it's competing. You know what? I said to these guys, uh, <laughs> I watched I watched Dayton Fix wrestle at Who's Number One. And – here is a kid that's only been in high school for two years. I mean, he's only been in high school two years. I, can he drive a car? I don't even know if he can drive a car, right? But he comes off the mat, and he gets mobbed by 30 kids asking for an autograph. In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Kids from Oklahoma. The kid's a 16- or 17-year-old kid from Oklahoma, still has two full years of high school left, and he gets mobbed. By, ki- by by kids, almost his peers, almost his same age, for autographs. And some of our stars at the senior level don't get that. And why is that, Christian? You know why that is? I mean, look, Dayton Fix is an amazing high school wrestler. Amazing. And he's a good personality, and he wrestles every... like. Uh, but he's not... He's never won a world. Uh, he's not a senior level wrestler, right? Jake Herbert's won a senior level medal. Um, and Kyle Dake. Four and, NCAA titles. Right, right, right. And Kyle Dake has has beaten Dennis Sargus for God's sakes. Um. So so, you know, let's take a let's take an NFL player, right? Um, I don't know, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald should be getting 
he has a bigger following than a high school receiver, right? right. I don't care if that high school receiver is the number one recruit in the country. Larry, Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, right? These guys are bigger stars than the top recruit in, in high school, but it ain't that way almost in, 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 high, in, in uh, wrestling. And why is that? Be- and I'll tell you why. Because Dayton Fix has been in the news nonstop. He's competed everywhere. He's sort of marketed himself. Not, not marketed himself, but he's always out there. He's always yeah. in the news, right? And so this is how I think. I mean, just think since April. Let's just think. Flow Nationals, he goes to UWW Juniors. He mm-hmm. goes to Cadet World Team Trials. He goes mm-hmm. to Junior World Team Trials. He mm-hmm. goes to Fargo. He goes to Junior Duels. He goes to uh, Cadet yeah. Worlds. And he goes to who's number one. That's from April to October. We watched right. Jordan Burroughs. Jordan Burroughs competed like three times last year. Three times the whole year. Four, uh, maybe four with Beat the Streets. World Cup, Worlds, okay. Trials, World and Beat the Streets. For a, for a total of like eight matches. I don't know, ten matches. I mean, <laughs> did, you know, we're just seeing Dayton a lot more. You know, he's in our face every couple weeks. Well, I mean, and and maybe Jordan Jordan's the outlier. Jordan's an outlier, but, but not but, by but not like, by much. Like, but like, let's take let's take Dick and Taylor. You know, how much did they compete uh, domestically? Taylor Taylor from World Team Trials last year, two years ago, when he fell to Burroughs, we didn't see him until I want to say Yasser Dogu, which is on another freaking continent, and then we saw him at. Um, Beat the streets and trials, and the right. open. And, so and Dake him. and Dake even even less because of injury, really, right? Right. And, and because he didn't wrestle at the open, and 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 so, um, it's it's tough, man. The the senior circuit in America is tough because they don't compete a lot, and when they do, it's you know, uh, a lot of them or maybe half of them are on these tours where you can't even watch. You can't get the matches. Maybe some grainy footage from YouTube gets put up and you Google translate it. Um, but by and large, it's hard to even get these matches. I mean, look at the match of Marable beating Burroughs. It looks like it was shot on a Motorola Razor. Like, it's just, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's a different world when they're over there. Right, and, and I said too, right, like, in America, in America, Super 32, which is a high school tournament. Preseason. In North- preseason in North Carolina. Not that there's anything wrong with North Carolina, but it's not a hotbed of wrestling wrestling country, right? A preseason high school tournament in North Carolina carries more social equity with wrestling fans than the Medved prizes, which produce the most senior level world medalists. I mean, think about that. It's great. It's a it's a sobering fact. It's, so what's it's, the, what's the solution? Because I'm I'm asking genu- genuinely here, because that's not I, ideal. I, I don't the, know the, the answer. The solution is for these guys to stay in the news as much as they can, and 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 market themselves as much as they can, and and you know, heck, reach out the flow and put something out there about yourself as much as you can. Always stay relevant. And and it's sad to say. I mean, I don't know if it's sad to say, but. Um, compete more, right? I mean, you compete more, you're making more of a star yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this, I mean, what I'm saying, is, I mean, this isn't 
this isn't just for flow. That's for the more value you have, the easier it is to get a shoe contract. The, the easier it is to maybe get a non-endemic contract. Kind of like we've seen Metcalf do with Mossy Oak and his like hunting sponsors. He's really carved out a, a niche was, and a brand for himself. Right. That was one of the most encouraging things to me. Um, when, when Brett Metcalf signed a Mossy Oak deal, you do not know how happy that made me because like I said, Asics and Adidas and Cliff Keen, and you cannot keep relying on the same endemic apparel companies to carry all the sponsorship and all the advertising for, for athletes. It's just not there. We don't have the gate. There's not 16,000 people filling a stadium for um, an 8 to 10 match pro, pro event. There's not 10,000 people filling the stadium for senior world team trials. I mean, you bear, um, we, I mean Worlds not, wasn't sold out in Las Vegas, you know? Yeah, so... Um, when, when Brett Metcalf gets a Mossy Oak deal, that's freaking awesome. What like it, it, it? It's a symbol that there's other companies out there outside of wrestling that are willing to spend the money to have their name on a wrestler's singlet and gear. If you can get it from a hunting company, what else can you get it from? Can you get it from Gatorade? I don't know. General Electric. Can you get it from? You know what I mean? Yeah, what that's, does DuPont have to do with NASCAR, you know? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> look at NASCAR, man. Look at the money they get. Is, I was like, it is to, largely predicated on sponsorship, right? What does Cheerios have to do with a motor car? Nothing. That's what I'm saying, man. I feel you. I feel you. But I, I don't have the solution for how you get there. I don't know how you get there, but that's our reality. And I hope uh, for... for I hope Flow Wrestling and we, you and I, can do our part to make it, make it reality. But I feel like it's maybe being overstated what, how large our role in that is, right? How large? Who, whose role? Ah, Flow Wrestling's. Well, you know, we've said it. We've said it multiple times. The the perception is that we can control everything, and we could. You know, we could be doing more. We could be paying out more. It's just not the reality. We'd be out of business. Yeah. If you know, if we did what Andy Bart did, we'd be out of business. And is that good for the sport? I mean, I don't want to puff my chest out, or I don't want to. I, I don't want to. You know, say flow is the end all be all. But does anybody promote the sport more more than flow does? Does anybody put out more content than flow does? Um, and so, if we start paying. <laughs> we we start paying, a, you know, Jake Herbert twenty thousand dollars to wrestle, um, Ed Ruth, and we pay Ed Ruth twenty thousand dollars, and then we have a whole card of where we're paying each wrestler twenty thousand dollars to wrestle in a match, and we drop a hundred thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand dollars on one duel. <laughs> not to mention the production costs that surround it. Not to bring, yeah, not, else. not to not to mention the venue and the plane tickets and the hotels and shipping all the cameras and cost of the internet and we can't lose a hundred we can't lose two hundred thousand dollars on an event. We'll be out of business, man. And is that good for wrestling? 
negative. Absolutely. Well, not. What we want to do is find a sustainable model where we can, and it doesn't have to be us putting on events. You know, some of the athletes are coming at us like, some of the athletes are coming at us like, you guys stream the event and you're making a profit on that stream, but yet we're only getting paid $1,000 to wrestle in this event. Or, or, you know, I don't know, Andrew Hochstrasser, Angel Escobedo wrestles at the World Team Trials and we charge people to watch the World Team Trials. So Angel Escobedo and Andrew Hochstrasser and everybody at the wrestle at the trials should be getting a check from Flo. That's not the way it works. The way it works is Flo pays rights for an event and we incur a lot of cost, man, to make these to make these streams happen. Um, do we make money on the world team trials? Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, I mean, there's money there. There's also, for every world team trials, there's also 15 events that we break even or lose money on. But we do it to promote the sport because more wrestling that people are able to watch, the better the sport is. Constant presence, constant streaming, builds constant fans, builds, builds more stars <laughs> builds a better economy builds better prospects for our sport yeah yeah right so we want to get there man we want to get there and we will get there it just takes time and right now i feel like the the information and the the, the reality is not out there the, the the perception is a little wrong and where we're at right now and I will say that it always doesn't always it doesn't always come back on flow, right? So everybody points the fingers at flow. It's more than just us. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's a it's a good time to transition. And I I I give you a lot of space there, Willie, and, and let you pretty much take the lead for a couple reasons. One, you're you're just more knowledgeable and provide way better insight than I could. Two. I'm trying to encourage you to use this outlet and to use this space because I think so many of the things that you get fired up about are so nuanced and detailed that I want you to use this. Use your platform. Don't rely on 140 characters on Twitter when it's when it's right here. And now no one's going to – I don't think – no one's going to get up in arms about what, what you're saying here because I feel like you articulated it properly. On, well, on Twitter, I, that's not what we get. I know. I think I, you know. I'm better here than. <laughs> I mean, the closest people to me are. You know, I get text messages. Willie, man, you are right on the money, but it's coming off wrong. You know, um, so I think I think I'm better in this in this milieu. But uh, and and like again, oh, I certainly yeah. don't. I, I certainly don't know everything. I, Tony Ramos asked for asked to talk today. I said. You know, for sure thing, man, 100 percent. Um, and so I'll talk to Tony Ramos today, and I'll learn a lot from him. You know, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know everything. I don't pretend to know everything. And and the more I talk to the wrestlers, the the, the better we all are. So for sure, I don't know. Hopefully, it's better going forward. Let's let's wrap that up. Well, and it's uh, wrapped. It's wrapped already. Let's get into a little a big story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two two kind of big stories broke the last couple of days. Neither of them particularly Nick, positive. Yeah, let's not talk really about like that fun to let's break. Let's talk about Nick Nevels. And before we even get into it, 
you know, another another thing where Flo gets point of finger is that Christian comes out with a, a break in the Nick Neville story that he is hurt and probably out for the year. And and you and your title said a, potentially a huge blow to Penn State's title chances. And people are like, oh, he's blown it out of proportion. How can that is not being blown out of proportion? That title is not sensational. I, I can't. A national team, a national contender loses an AA caliber wrestler in what's going to be what's regarded as a nip and tuck team race in a nip and tuck team race and people are like there goes flow sensationalizing well here's here's listen, a, here's a listen, problem listen, again sometimes Willie. we do <laughs> sometimes we do sensationalize things i ain't gonna lie we hype things up this is not one of those times this is a huge story yeah and but also again you're on the mat forums willie we're you know with 32 people and you're letting four people determine that like that's the voice it was just a couple couple dorks i would i wouldn't give it you're giving it a little too much credence it is a huge story nick nevels is a potential in my mind a top four or five guy this year i think he has that potential to be that high i think certainly he would have placed and i think I think he's like a medbury level t- well medbury's red shirt but yeah that mm, uh, give, give me give me give me what your pecking order would be with nevels in there you see like a like a gwiz a coon gwiz coon Walls, like a, Marsden, I think. Marsden level? Marsden beat him up pretty good last year. Mars, Marsden, Desi, I think he's right on the bottom end of that tier with Walls, Marsden, Desi, and Nevels. I think he can beat one or two of those guys. So maybe he's coming in anywhere between third and fifth or sixth, right? I think that's fair because then you've got Blaze Cabell, Mike Croyles, um, and, and I think he can go with those guys. I, I, I really, right. I really think he's good. So, so he was, he was a definite contender, AA contender, right? Um, he was ranked eighth as a freshman preseason. That's, that's, that's a pretty tough thing to do. Right. And that's based on results. That's based, based on, on, based on results. And you have to beat guys to get ranked Matt Storniolo. That's how it works. Bryce Brill doesn't get ranked, guys. Hey, guys, Bryce Brill doesn't get ranked because he's really good in high school. He has to beat wrestlers that matter. Um, he beat no ranked wrestlers last year, and he only wrestled four matches. That's why Bryce Brill's not ranked. He will get ranked when he beats guys that, that are ranked. So I just wanted to get that out there real quick. Okay, so AA contender goes down, changes – if the team race was close, it's even closer. There's more drama around it. There's more intrigue. It's compounded by the fact that Penn State doesn't have a um, another heavyweight on their roster. I don't even know if they have another 97 they on their not. roster. They do not. They do not. Well, they do now. But, Jan Johnson is you, officially on the roster, Willie. Right. All right. Let's talk about Jan Johnson in a second. But, but, you know, for those that didn't know and are listening to this and didn't don't know the situation. Do you have details on the injury or whatever the case may be about Zero. why he's out? Zero details. I do know that last year, I think he broke his foot at the scuffle, um, and that kept him off the mat for a while. So he was injured last year wrestling Marsden, I believe, and that that uh, that kept him off the mat. So is it something like a re-injury thing? Is it something completely different? I have no idea. We saw him at who's number one. He was fine walking around, looked okay. So it's something that happened between who's number one and last Friday or Saturday. So I don't know what exactly went on. I don't know, just like with the Periano thing, I don't know what led to this. All I know is he's out. He's out for an extended period of time. It's not yet certain he's out for the year, but all indications are it, it doesn't look good, which you, you got to figure a pretty major, major injury. Okay, so 
they don't have another 97. Kassar is, first of all, first of all, Kassar, I think was a little bit of a small 97. Um, Bigger than Macintosh. I don't think he. I don't think he's a heavyweight by any stretch of the right. imagination. Um, but he's hurt anyway. I mean, he had surgery because after Junior Worlds, he got hurt at Junior Worlds. Um, so he's, and he's taken like a year off, and and having he had surgery and he's resting up and I don't know what he's doing. Um, but he's out of play. He's out of pocket. Um, and they have no other ninety-seven or heavyweight. You know, last last year they had three good heavyweights on the roster. This year they have zero. Um, or they have one, that, and now he's hurt. Um, so, Jan Johnson. Enter Jan Johnson. Jan Johnson was one of the top-ranked um, 195-pounders in the country, won a state title as a junior, and you know his ranking got up there. Did take a loss or two last year. Um, still ended up ranked pretty darn high. Went to Penn State to play football. Mm-hmm. Now, he's playing football. I hear, you know, that Kale reached out to Franklin, the head coach of, of, of Penn State, and, and now Jan Johnson is officially listed on the roster. Right, yeah. So, true freshman, undersized, heavyweight. I mean, who knows what we get out of him? Um, but it makes it interesting. I mean, it, it, isn't what it, it, does, isn't what it, it crazy, though, Christian, that um, – I mean, Penn State. It's Penn State, and they're going to have to use a – a walk-on true freshman football player. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's ironic. <laughs> Kale's got to be like, what the heck? The last every year I've been here, I've had two or three legitimate heavyweights. They had Lawson and, and Gingrich the last couple of years, both viable All-American guys. Those guys graduate now. He's left with one. Now one gets hurt. I yeah. mean, it's like I've had two this entire time. And now when I really need that backup, it, it's not there. It's it's a little ironic. What this does for Penn State, it's it's far from from uh, you know a, a death blow or anything. And actually, yeah, yeah. I redid I redid the rankings, and they're still in first with Neville's taking out. What it does, it it just reduces that margin for error. Jimmy Gulaban's got to produce. Jason Nolf's got to be the truth. Bo Nichols really got to step up. And and I think they're going to get that. I just I, I just have full full faith in them. But Oklahoma State is right there, guys. Think about, I mean, the, the team race is crazy. I love it. I love it. I love I love when there's parity. Um, and I love I love when there's intrigue. I mean, there's intrigue every year. There's intrigue every year. But I mean, there's certain years where, um, I don't know. There's there's favorites are a little bit heavier than what they are this year. I I love the last two years. It's been really awesome. But um. I haven't really thought about it too deeply until now, but think about how utterly insane Penn State's heavyweight situation has been the last six years. Think about it. What do you mean? I mean, John Gingrich isn't a blue chipper. Jimmy Lawson plays D-tackle for a while at Monmouth. Thomas Haynes commits. They get Nick Neville's. Thomas Haynes goes to Ohio State. I mean, it's been all over the all over the place. Yeah, yeah, a lot, lot of, lot of drama there. But it's uh, ultimately, it, it just makes it all the more exciting. I'm, I'm a little disappointed as Neville's. It, he's one of those really fun heavyweights to watch. He's really athletic, and I think he would have been really good this year. So I'm disappointed. Uh, but it does add another layer of drama um, around the team race. 
And and well, your updated rankings come out when? They're, well, they're up. You can check they're them up. out right now. They're up. Uh, so yes, yeah. check those out and see how maybe. The, well, there's a lot of changes, right? It's not just you didn't just put them up because of Nick Neville's in the team race. Oh no, there's, there's because a... of what they like Micah drop in and and. So there's a bunch. Um, Grothis is now in. Hey, that's a headline we got to run. What? Mike drop. Mike drop. Oh yeah, that's opportunity missed. Um, Levon Mays is going up to 149. Uh, Bo Jordan, I put him in at 74, even though he may come back down. I'm putting him at 74 for the time being. I took out Neville's. There's other changes in there, so um, you can check those out. Um, yeah, and and it it shifted the team race slightly. Obviously, Penn State comes back to the field a little bit more, but Iowa steps up into the second place spot. Um, through a combination of Brody Gerthus having like a top six ranking and Bo Jordan taking four points away from Kyle Crutchmer by coming in the one spot at 174. So those little things, um, tweak things as such that Iowa, even though I, I view Oklahoma State as the number two team or maybe number one, um, from a rankings perspective, perspective right now, Iowa comes in at number two, Willie. And just like that, it's, it's 11, Willie. Mm, gonna be an interesting year um <laughs> in college that's for sure um what do we have you know obviously we have the super 32 mm. that's gonna be off the chain super 32 preview is up right now um 44 of all ranked wrestlers in high school are in in this year's super 32 which is which is nuts um and we'll have stuff all week like I said, preview up now. We'll have top five matches to watch. We'll have throwbacks and everything. And I cannot wait to get to Greensboro. That I just love. I love the town. You know, going there for so many years. You know your. You know your spots. You know the quarterfinals on the on Sunday morning. One of the great rounds in high school wrestling with four mats all in a row right in front of your face, and you know all four quarterfinals going at the same time. But Christian, what do we have college wise this weekend? I mean, this is really the first action. You're gonna like dip your toes. Right, you're gonna have to look at these results from the opens this weekend. Got Clarion Open. What else we got? Clarion Open. You got Dactronics. You've got um, actually an interesting. Got Durso versus Ashnall this weekend. Durso versus Schnalti Bimabin going on Sunday. So Sunday really kicks it off the Clarion Open we're doing live. So yeah, it's it's a lot going on. I'm gonna be at Campbell, NC State, and UNC Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in that order. I'm fired up to see what those Carolina squads have going on before uh, I get to Super 32 myself. So. It's uh, it's the it's about to drop, Willie. Yeah, I mean, high school, college, and then you know this year we have <laughs> Bill Farrell's coming up, so it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan, and we thank you guys so much for tuning in to Flow Wrestling Radio Live. Uh, when we will do this again, to be determined. We'll I'm gonna try to squeeze one in with Willie uh, when I'm on the road, but that might just be archive only. Um, so stay tuned. That might be coming later this week. If not, we'll definitely have you next Tuesday to rehash all the Super 32 clearing open, etc., etc., all the things going on in the wrestling world. And um, thanks again for listening. Make sure you're subscribing on iTunes, five-star ratings, the whole shebang. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks a lot, guys.